Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Game of Thrones. And this may be a little cut to the chase for some people, but... It's kind of amazing to me how many little kings and queens sit on their thrones having their quiet time addressing the king of kings on his throne. You say, well, I don't have a throne. Every house I've been in has got a throne. (laughs) And it's always fascinating if you borrow someone's throne and sit on their throne, if you're visiting, that thrones usually have libraries. Very interesting. And if you're, you know, on the throne for a spell, it's interesting what people read. And of all the places that we could spend time with God, it just appears, nobody's talking about this, but they're printing material for its use. How many people sit on that throne to talk to him on his throne? And there are a lot of things I could share about that, but I'm not going to publicly. So, 1 Kings chapter 10. If you do a little research on thrones, it's just amazing. And I'm about to read you a description of just one in the scriptures. Elaborate monstrosities, steps, gold, just crazy stuff. But when you get right down to it, it's just some person sitting on their rear end on a seat, surrounded by whatever, but that throne gives them some kind of presence and you just know there's something different about them. First Kings chapter 10, verse 18 And this is talking about Solomon. Moreover, the king made a great throne. Now look what it's made of. And if you're an animal activist, that's not what this is about. Okay, He made a great throne of ivory. Now you say, well, that would be enough. And overlaid it with pure gold. So who would cover up ivory with gold? Someone who's building a fancy throne. The throne had six steps. And the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat. And two lions stood beside the armrests. And then look at this. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. So pretty fancy throne, Solomon. In all his glory, you went to see Solomon And you read this description, even in scripture, where people would come see him and then just be blown away. He had so much gold coming in that he was making shields out of gold, plates out of gold. He was just, it was overwhelming. So glory, majesty, this amazing king, but just a king who happens to be dead now. Psalm 103, turn there, left to right as usual. Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Now, you say, well, why are you reading these verses? Everybody knows that. Not everybody knows that, and even if they know that, they don't acknowledge that. Because it's one thing to be a king and to be a ruler, but if you're just a king over a kingdom, small or large though it may be on the planet, if you are, we'll see in the New Testament, if you're a king of kings and there's no one higher, then he's in control. He is the king. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, 
And I'm not going to read this whole passage, though it's pretty powerful stuff, but I'm going to read you just back to the throne in your home and our approaching God from that vantage point. This is Isaiah in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Now this is what I want you to observe. You've got these angelic beings. Above his throne stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. Now, if you have six wings, you think you would use all six wings to fly. But in certain environments, you don't use all six wings to fly because you need them for something else. What do you need them for? Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So this is such a holy place that angelic beings don't even fly in there and fly around there without covering their face and their feet in respect because it is the throne of God. Now, I am all about boldness. One of my favorite pictures all time is JFK seated at his desk in his little boy in the Resolute desk, I think it is, the opening underneath it, and he is down there crouched under that desk. Anybody seen this picture? Everybody seen this picture? And you think, well, wow, does that kid have any idea? He's just a kid. And who's sitting at the desk? It's just his dad at work. But he knows because that's my dad. I have absolute access. I can go in there, crawl on the desk. Who's going to do anything to me? You need that kind of boldness. You need that kind of innocence and naivete almost in approaching God. But as that kid grows up, he doesn't find himself under the desk. You find yourself respectfully approaching. It doesn't mean you're not bold, but the approach changes. So Isaiah got a glimpse. If you get a glimpse of his glory, you get a glimpse of his holiness, of his power, of his might, of who he is. And our finite brains cannot even begin to comprehend his greatness. But he gives us glimpses. It will cause you to bow. And usually what causes you to bow is what brings about the wow in your life. So think about what you wow about. There's a good chance that's what you bow to, if that's what you're about. Matthew chapter 6. Now, this is one of those prayers. We're studying it. We're reading it. And the disciples come along. Clearly, Jesus knew how to pray. So they're like, okay, you seem to be an expert. You know how to talk to the Father. You're God. So teach us to pray. So he comes up with Matthew chapter 6, and we'll go down to verse 9. And this is what Jesus said. In this manner, therefore, pray. You ask me how, here's where you start. Here's a good way to pray. And right out of the box, our Father in heaven. So our, not just my, you say the word our. And who is instructing them in this prayer? It is Jesus. So who is included in the our? He's included in the hour. So when you pray this prayer, you just say the word hour. You've included Jesus, and you've included the whole body of believers. You're not by yourself. Our Father, so he's our Father, and where is he? He's in heaven. Hallowed be your name. In other words, respect, awe for his name, for who he is. And then the next thing, and I'm encouraging you, don't just say these words if you don't mean these words. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what does that mean? 
What is the kingdom of God? It is the rule and reign of God. It is the rule and reign of Christ in your life. So when you pray this prayer, you're saying your kingdom come. In other words, the rule and reign, your rule and reign come. Your will be done in earth down here the way it is in heaven. How do you suppose things go down in heaven when the father speaks? When the father says this, I promise you wings flap, angels fly, it happens. Because when he speaks his will, it is done there. And when you pray this prayer, you are saying, I want you to rule and reign in my heart and in my life, and your will be done right down here the way it is in heaven, so that when you speak, I obey, yes, sir, thank you, sir, now, sir. Now you say, well, I don't hear him say anything. Then you need to get someone that can help you tune into that station. You say, it's a little fuzzy. I'll tell you one of the no-brainer ways to get tuned out of his communication is sin in your life or in my life. When there is sin in my life, I am not interested in his music. I'm not interested in what he has to say or thinks. I want my will be done. My prayer is not, you know, not my will, but yours be done. My prayer is not your will, mine be done. And so if you're one of the people that are trying to hold on to Jesus with one hand, the world with the other hand, you're going to get torn completely apart. You're trying to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It doesn't work that way. There's only one seat on the throne, and you can't play this game of thrones. And where you jump up, it's not musical chairs. And here's how the musical chairs works, unfortunately. You come to church, you gather with the church, you play the music of the church, we worship, and you get up and you say, okay, Lord, you can have the throne. And then you leave and the music stops and you grab your seat back. He said, no, 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 you can't sit, that's my seat now. I call the shots now. But next Sunday or whenever we get, you know, I hear a song, I'll get up for a minute and let you sit down. He should never have to get up. It's always about him. You say, well, that's not possible. The book says pray without ceasing. So how do you do that? Just never hang up. Just stay in communication with him. You say, well, sometimes I feel like I'm drifting. Sing a little song to him. Quote him a little scripture. Why is it so important to know scripture? Because the devil's putting plenty of other stuff in your head and my head. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you pray that, something's going to change. You see, you're praying that, and you say, well, I'm asking God to do something. Well, yes, but you're also saying to him, you're willing for him to do what you're asking him to do, which means when he says, this is what we're doing, you say, yes, sir. Now, I'm not a religious person in the wacko sense of the word, but I am a person that believes that when Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, that means that we know his voice, we hear his voice. And what that means while we're here is if you are still on the planet, and I keep saying this to people, if heaven is so great, and it is, and it costs Jesus so much to get us there, why are we not there? There better be a reason there is. There's work to be done, or you'd be in heaven if you're a Christian. Some of the work that needs to be done is on us, and some of the work that needs to be done is through us. And the challenge that God has, even though he's God, is that he cannot make us do anything. As Claude used to tell me, The old man that discipled me said, Richard, God will never make you do anything, but he'll make you wish you had. Okay, so what is his challenge? He's like, look, I'm dispatch. You've got the ambulance. You're out there. I've sent you into the world. I'm going to take care of you. You'll have food, clothing. You're going to be taken care of. No one will take better care of you than me. Trust me. I'm on your side. I'm on your inside if you're a Christian. I am trying to use your hands, your feet, your life. 
if you will put me and keep me on the throne of your life where you can hear me, then throughout your day, I will prompt you. I will say, speak to that woman. And you will either say, your kingdom come, your will be done, or this is in heaven, or you say, no, thank you, sir, no, hop up, I'm back on. I am not doing what you want me to do. You will not embarrass me. This is my life. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be in control. I don't want anybody to think something about me. So you don't lose yourself, but then you lose your life because you miss out on all these opportunities. I'm telling you, they are everywhere because the Holy Spirit is working, orchestrating, and saying, okay, you're going to lose this job and go to another job. I'm transferring you to another place. And because I have work for you to do there, because I know you're listening, so trust me, don't take a job because of what you see. Listen for my voice, and when I say here, you go there even if everybody thinks you're nuts. Because it's always about people. It's always about reaching people that he died for. And you say, well, what is he going to take? He's going to take care of you. That's the no-brainer part. He's God. But the challenge is getting us to submit our will to his will and get off the throne and leave him on the throne permanently and just his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if I said show of hands, if you're living this way, it's a crazy way to live, but it's extraordinary extraordinary because you meet people you see people you have conversations you would never have and they're like they'll tell you later wow that's so crazy i've been praying and god sent you i can't believe this and then you go wow something's up yes something's up matthew chapter 6 verse 33 the end of that chapter but seek first the kingdom of god what is that the rule and reign of god of christ in your life and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you So what do we fret about? What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Where are we going to live? How are we going to make it? Who's going to take care of us? Let me tell you something. If God can't take care of you, you're in big trouble. The whole universe is in big trouble. How hard can this be? Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Now this is a simple question that Jesus asked them, and I'm going to let him ask us. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, And do not do the things which I say. If I'm the boss, if I'm Lord, if I'm in control, then why is that when I speak in heaven, things happen. When I speak to you, you don't do what I say to do. We are the king's subjects. He is trying to turn us into verbs. It's one thing to be a subject. It's another thing to act and follow through, obey, to hear him obey and do what he says to do. It's so fascinating how if you're old enough to have children, how we think this is so nuts. Why does this kid not get it that if I say this, I mean this, just do this and everything's going to go better. I won't have to discipline you. I'm not going to be upset. Things will run smoothly. Why can't you just obey? And then you hear this cosmic echo. Why can't you just obey? And if the Holy Spirit's at work at all in your life, you go, oh, yeah, so that's me. Like, yeah, that's you. I gave you these kids so you'd get a better idea what this is like with me and you. Why can't you just obey? And so what does God do when we don't obey? Okay, you don't get it. I'm going to discipline you. So a ton of this stuff that we experience is unnecessary if you just obey. And what happens, we hope with a child is what? That the child gets out of line, we discipline them, we chasten them, and they finally go, hey, you know what? I think your idea is better than my idea. Let's do what you said. And you go, great, it's going to go well. And then there's not as much spanking if anybody's doing that anymore. There's not as much time out. There's not as much any of this mess, wasted downtime for what? Because we won't obey. 
Now, does it mean things are still going to go wrong or you're going to have suffering and challenges? Yeah, that comes with life. But enough of generating a ton of it of our own doing. Simple obedience. We call him Lord, Lord, then do what he says to do. If he's the boss, do what the boss says. Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15 says this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Does the peace of God rule your heart? Does it run your heart? Are you anxious all the time, just fried all the time? If he's the king and he's on the throne of your life, the peace of God will rule in your heart. What does that mean? It means you're not going to be freaked out all the time. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Oh my gosh, that happened. No, ah, it's out of control. No, he's on the throne. You're going to be fine. So one indicator that he's on the throne is that the peace of God rules in your heart. And where does that manifest ultimately? To which also you were called in one body and be thankful. I'm telling you, people who have God on the throne, no matter what happens to them, they're thankful. Doesn't mean they're excited about what's going on, maybe. But they go, all right, Lord, this is tough. You're the boss. You're the king. I don't run this. I got a buddy right now. His wife died a few days ago, texting him, trying to text him every day. I said, I'm sure you're covered up with people trying to take care of you. He said, no, keep praying, keep texting me. He said, it just dawned on me that I got to go into my, I walked into my closet and saw all of her clothes and realized she's gone and she's not coming back. And now I got to deal with that. You better have somebody on your throne when that stuff goes down or you're not going to make it. Because when he's on the throne, the peace of God rules in your heart. And even in the worst situation, you can say, Father, I do not understand this. You said don't grieve as those that have no hope, but I'm grieving. I have hope. But without you, I am not going to make it. And it seems sometimes that we as Christians barely make it. How in the world is the world going to do it without him? And part of the reason we're believable is when they see what we're under, not our own stupidity bringing consequence on ourselves, but when the world sees suffering that just comes along and they go, wait a minute, you seem to be at peace. You seem to be thankful in the midst of terrible tragedy. How is that even possible? You're either crazy or you're hooked up to somebody I'm not hooked up to. And then you give a reason for the hope that's within you. And they go, I need that because I can't do this by myself anymore. It's interesting if you've been running your life and you're running your life into the ground at some point you go, you know what? I yield. You can have the throne because me running this little kingdom I got ain't working. All right, we're almost there. Let's try Hebrews 12. I'm not sure I can tell you where heaven is. I can't tell you where heaven is. I don't know where heaven is. But it's nice to know where Jesus is. He's alive. And where is he? He's in heaven. And where is he in heaven? I'll tell you. I'll read it to you. Verse 1, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Where is Jesus? Sitting right there by God, the Father. I know where he is. And one of the coolest stories you'll ever read, if you go back a few pages, is Stephen when he's stoned. And he's about to die. And he looks up and says, I see Jesus standing. Man, if he gets up off his throne to welcome you, you got to be somebody. I want to be somebody 
that makes him stand up when I'm coming home? Would he get up for you? Is that the kind of kid you are? And that enraged him even more that he claimed that he saw God. You're going to see God, I'm telling you that. It'll either be at the great white throne judgment or at the judgment seat of Christ, but you're going to see him. And part of this process and why you're sitting here listening, wherever you're listening, is that we are trying to prepare you for then and now. How are we to live now? And how does that prepare us for that encounter then? You have to pay attention. You say, but I want to give up this sin. When you see him, you'll wish you had. It will not have been worth it. Whatever you're holding on to will not have been worth it. Hebrews chapter 4. Go down to verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Keep going to the throne. Get off of the throne, put him on the throne, go to the throne, go ask him, go boldly before him. By the way, you think, well, what's the sequencing? If I go before the throne of God, should I worship and praise him first? Or should I confess my sin first? I'd encourage you to always go in with worship, even if you got sin in your life, because he's still a king. Acknowledge who he is, hallowed be your name, and then deal with your sins, even back in the Lord's Prayer, dealing with sin. Maybe just a couple of these out of Revelation, and then we're done. Revelation 4. Now, let me just throw this disclaimer out here. If you're hard-hearted, stiff-necked, like, I don't believe any of this, I don't care, then you're not going to get any of this. You'll miss all this, because hell ain't running these channels. Revelation 4.10, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. Where do you think they got the crowns? From him. It's always nice to have something to cast when it's casting time. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. 
You say, well, if I saw all that, I'd bow. That's why he gives you faith. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's talking about Jesus being here. You say, well, I don't see him. You say, I don't see all this either. You will. And that's where faith says, I will. So I'm going to treat him like I should treat him here, even though I can't see him. And that'll change how you communicate with him, how you listen to him, how you follow orders, because you realize he's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I can tell you this personally, wherever Christ reigns, it pours. You can't beat his reign. So stop playing this game of thrones and just get up and let him sit down and stay there and say, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. You'll find yourself part of the time prostrate, bowing before him. And out of that time with him, he'll say, okay, I'd love for us to stay here forever, but I got work for you to do. And you say, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you for saving me. I am your son. I'm a servant of the most high God. So whatever you say, that's what we're doing today. Wherever you say go, whatever you say, say, whatever you say, give, whatever you say, that's what we're going to do. And then the adventure begins like never before. You will never do with your life what he can do with it if you'll yield it to him. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.